It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week, we're bringing you a solitary two news stories. It's not very many, but trust mm. me, <laughs> them's pretty cool. Well, kind of, in a sense. We'll talk about <laughs> it in a little bit. But before we get into that, I would like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside the illustrious co-host. And I fucked that up. That's okay. So j- I am the illustrious co-host, in case I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, just in case you didn't know, the biggest of average are Josh Boys. How you doing today, big Josh Boy? I'm doing okay, man. Uh, this week was a, a rough one, but we're getting back into it. Uh, mentally, I feel a little bit better over a week. Uh, I kind of drank a lot last night, so I'm oh. also a little bit sluggish, but I'm ready. I'm ready to party. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. did did uh, Chris and I pull you out of your funk by having like a serious like battle royale in your Twitch comments or whatever? I do. Day? I do love when both you and Chris are in Twitch chat <laughs> because you two fighting is one of my favorite things in there, and I'm so glad I gave him mod rights and not you. <laughs> He's a tyrant, okay? Like I don't understand why you're you're coming at me saying that I would have been worse. He banned me, okay? What's that all about? You don't even know. You didn't even know he banned you. There's no way if I gave you mod access, you wouldn't even, even know, know what that, what that means. Man. Yeah. It said like it was like all my shit, all my comments were deleted and it was like you've been timed out for two one second. And I was like, what does that even mean? And he's like, I banned you. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. I love that I tweeted about it. That he's like, Vaughn just tweeted about me banning him. I was like, Yeah, you're being a bitch. Uh, got him. Yeah, no, it's really fun though. I, I'm definitely enjoying it uh, when, I mean, when people are around, obviously. But, you know, streaming has been pretty cool. Yeah, it seems really fun. I'm I'm finally kind of buckling down. I'm like, I'm just going to buy that fucking webcam that I want. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Next time that it goes, like, it, it's back in stock on Best Buy. Because, okay, this is fucking horseshit. Because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus, people are gouging, like, mofos mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. webcams on Amazon. They're like, this is normally a $200 webcam. And they're like, oh, uh, $300. And I'm yep. like, oh, eat my nuts. No. Supply and demand, baby. Oh, I get it. Like, that's capitalism 101, bro, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'll wait for it to come back in stock on Best Buy that sells it for $200 like a normal retail establishment. I mean, you might just want to wait until, you know, Black Friday coming up because there might be some sweet deals. Who knows? I mean, uh, by the time it comes back in stock, maybe it will be Black Friday. See, there you go. I don't know. Also... This is kind of a weird thing to bring up, but have you like have you seen that Best Buy ad of the girl in a mask like dancing? 
No. Okay, well, this is Best Buy ad on Twitter of a girl, like, in a mask just, like, dancing and pointing at stuff as it, like, pops up. And if you go into the comments of it, it's people just roasting the fuck out of Best Buy. Really? Because <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And there's also some guy who said that he would, like, he would swing by his, he would put, what was it? I would put fish hooks in my nipples and swing just to sniff her shirt. And then somebody Ooh. like, yeah, it was Hell like yeah. so creepy. And then somebody below put out a meme that's like that weird like Shiba Inu with a bat, and it's like you're being surprisingly horny for somebody who's in bonk distance. And I yeah. thought that was so fucking funny. <laughs> I love the bonk memes. It's so good. I love it so much. But yeah, people are fucking people are coming after Best Buy for this for this Damn. stupid ass ad. They're all like in this time and trying to get people to spend money. It's like, bro. I mean, yeah, corporations <laughs> need money too, you know. <laughs> yeah, like literally everyone is trying to stay afloat and in business right now. And when you're like moving into Black Friday, you're like, why wouldn't they put out an ad? Yeah. What? I don't know. It seems it seems weird to be just angry at Best Buy for that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Taking out your anger in a in a weird outlet that doesn't make much sense. That's like, just so funny though. I love checking out those comments. There's just I like mean, a bunch of people angry as fuck at Best Buy. I'm like, are you serious right now? That's the. I mean, that's a comment section in fucking anything. Any like, oh god, YouTube, Twitch, like just general ads. Like comments are always so fucking toxic. And there's a that that whole you know perception of oh because they can't get me because they're you're literally just talking to a blank screen and you have this anonymous power. Uh, people just have this strength to say things that just are so out there that it, God, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, I would love to see those same people and see them in person and be like, "What is fucking wrong with you? Why do you think you could say shit like this?" Yeah, dude, anonymity is a plague. It it's really fucking is. terrible because people would just say the most horrendous shit. And then if you met them in real life, they're like, "I never would have thought you would read it." And it's like, why would you not why think so? Why would you say it then? <laughs> like you realize it notifies people when you fucking comment. Like yeah. that's why I try to just not be a huge dick. Like and and when I am a huge dick. It's generally as a joke. It's not yeah. being serious. Like, I'll just goof around with my friends. I'm not going to, like, if I don't like somebody's video or whatever, because here's my routine, okay? And eventually we'll get into indie games. But <laughs> here's my routine when I watch videos. I, I hop on a video on YouTube, and I like it immediately. That sounds weird, but I like it immediately just because I, I know for a fact that by the end of the video, I will not remember to click the like button. And if I like the video, I'm like, I want to make sure that they get this like. I want to help their algorithm. So I'm like, I hop on. I like the video immediately. And then if I don't actually like the video, I just take off my like. I never click the wow. dislike button. Interesting. Yeah. There's like, like only it. one or two times that I've clicked the dislike button. And it was literally just because somebody just got the facts so wrong about something they they i i forget what it was it was like uh in a video game or an anime or something like that somebody was like really dogging on it i uh. i remember that and they it was like almost as if they hadn't actually watched it or played it i was mm -hmm, like what the mm -hmm. fuck so i then i'll click the dislike button but otherwise nah dude just likes or no likes that's what they get i never fuck with comments if i'm being 100 percent honest just yeah. because of how fucked up they are <laughs> people get so heated dude it's it's a it's the wild west out there yeah it's outrageous but speaking of 
of the Wild West. I Let's know. talk That's about good... some of the indie games we're playing. Uh, Josh, you are playing Tombstar by Andy Sum and Marcus Gramba. I don't know if that's how you say that person's name, Probably. but I'm going to go with it. Close Let enough. Let me hear about Tombstar. First off, that was a great transition. I really set you up on that one. Uh, Tombstar, yeah, I know. Tombstar it's is like actually... It's up in this bitch. I know. It, uh, so this is, to give some context, this is a beta game that I played. So they had a weekend release where it was available to play and test out. It was only one character and it was the first world of the game that you were able to play and the way it works it's a top-down space western shooter but it has roguelike elements in it so think of something like enter the gungeon it's very much similar to that type of play style where the game is top-down you're looking at it and it's very bullet hell-esque meaning the enemies are constantly shooting at you and you have to avoid and dodge everything that's flying on the screen, but at the same time, you're shooting them and trying to destroy any units that are there. Uh, You have different abilities. So with each of the characters, they have different abilities, like I mentioned, uh, having a number of them, but each one, uh, or I'm sorry, you're only allowed to play as the first one in this beta, so I can't speak to the other types. That being said, your first one, it seems like a very basic character, kind of what you would think of for something like enter the gungeon where your main mechanics are i have a gun i can shoot the gun i have a roll which is a dodge so i can dodge out of the way the dodge has like a kind of like a a a small reset window where you have to wait a second before it goes back on cooldown or off of cooldown and then it also had a slow time mechanic which is as you're shooting things you you build up this gauge where you can three times use a a slow down where it'll make all the enemies freeze kind of they're they're moving very slowly and it'll give you time to reposition or try to just uh, take out that person really quick before the slowdown effect goes away now the cool thing about this game is it's all randomly generated it's all very much like a roguelike element where you know you're, you're playing through these worlds and they're constantly rebuilding themselves so it, it always looks kind of new but it's you know the same world so to speak. Uh, But you're also getting different guns and different abilities. So with each run, you'll get these, these keys, which will open chests where you find guns. And then there's upgrade cards, which will allow you to go to these machines where you can literally buy a, a random variable of three different skills that it gives you. And you get to pick one out of those three. And so it'll be something like your your shots ricochet. So anytime you hit an enemy, it'll do like half damage and bounce off of other people. You have like a 20% chance where your bullet will just explode and do massive damage. You have a, a number of different types of abilities that are out there. Uh, once again, this is only the first world. And it was actually kind of hard. Very, very similar to like Enter the Gungeon. There is a, a very difficult element to it where if you're not good at at these type of games like it'll take a little bit of practice and it it is uh it it can be sort of forgiving because you have like five health um like five health containers you have like five hearts yeah thank you so you have five health containers you could take five hits basically uh but as you're going through randomly it'll just it'll drop things like those key cards, those those uh, just random keys for chests and hearts as well. So it's, it's a little bit, like I've had runs where sometimes it didn't seem as forgiving and others where it did seem more, where it was like, here, have more hearts, have more hearts. And like kind of kept me going through it. Um, 
just seem to be random. I don't know what that interval rate is. And once again, this is a beta and they were even asking for feedback. So they're probably getting to see, okay, is this too hard for people? Is this too easy for certain ones? Um, but I had, I had fun with it. I think it was good. I think that if you're not into the style of difficult gameplay, you'll probably not be as into it from what I saw because this took me, I probably played about three hours or so and I only got to the boss uh, one of the times in it, which is like there's three uh, half worlds or like, you know, it's like world 1-1, 1-2, 1-3 and so on 1-3 you get to the boss. Um, and it was it was pretty pretty tough. Um, I think they'll probably do a little bit of rebalancing and I also, also hope they have different guns and different abilities that come into play as, you know, this expands into the 2021 release. But I still enjoyed my time with it and I still think that if I had kept going and and putting more time into the game, I would have gotten farther. Um, but it is one of those things where if bullet hells aren't your thing, uh, this is a little bit of a, a tough one for, for those people who might not be into that genre. Um, but still a fun game overall. So the, the amount that you played, you said you only got to play the one character and like basically the first couple levels kind of a thing. Correct. Did this, was it like tantalizing enough to make you look forward to this 2021 release? So yeah, I I think that this will be an interesting pickup. I think at at its first glance right now through the beta, there's not as much that pulls me to be like, wow, I really want to to dive in more. Uh, and I think because there's not a lot of you know story element to it, there's not that that difference in in uh, a ton of abilities. As I kept playing, I, I saw a lot of the same things over and over again. But that's because this is very early on, and they're just more a less giving you a taste of it. Uh, you know, I really want to know why this is even a thing, like what's happening in this world. I want to know more about these characters. I want to see more variety in the guns and the abilities. Um, it's not something that right away I'm like, God, I can't wait until I get more of this game. Um, but it is something that I'm keeping my eye on because as this continues to grow, I think that it can and has, you know, the, the, the foundation for something that will be very enjoyable. What character did you get to play as? Cause it seems like currently they have sort of like a desperado cyborg and alien and like a sharpshooter. Which one did you actually get to play? Yeah. So you play as the, uh, the desperado, the, the guy with the, the cigar in his mouth. If you're looking at the actual yeah, pictures, the, like robot arm guy. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he seems to be like a basic, uh, character. Like I said, where it's your main mechanics are dodge roll and slowing down time and i saw in some of the video that like the the other one there seems to be like more of a a tanky guy who can throw up this uh this giant um virtual shield looking thing and yeah it kind of looks like reinhard from overwatch yeah yeah and then with the sharp shooter i'm not entirely sure of all of uh their abilities but i think i think having those different characters is is something that's going to benefit the game uh just because it's you know small tweaks but it'll add to someone's gameplay who who wants a different feel or style like i'd probably want more of the shield person i feel like if i was playing um but i but i don't know i you know it's one of those things where you have to wait and see what i got from this was still fun though um and i would want to try out the other characters though I personally, I I thought this game looked really cool when it was initially announced a while ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about this like before uh, we started recording. I personally am a massive fan of the kind of 
the the aesthetic of like cowboys in space i think it's so mm-hmm. cool it's it's a very similar reason that i think the um that i think motherfucker how am i forgetting what they're called the, oh, the SteamWorld games. Oh, I yes, just yes, could yes. not remember for a second. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of the main reasons that I think like SteamWorld Heist is so cool yeah, is yeah. because it's like these kind of like cowboy robots in space, right. um, especially since I'm a huge Firefly fan. Like this is exactly the, the kind of aesthetic that I am looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I personally think the kind of like cartoony art style of it is really cool. Did you – were you a fan of it while playing it? Did you – Um, Do you think it kind of like lends to this world and makes it seem more like, I guess, does it lend to the tone of the world or do you find it kind of distracting since you are more of like the roguelike fan? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I I can't say one way or another just because I don't know what the game is trying to do. Uh, Personally, it seems like point like, yeah, I I feel like there will be more context when you get, you know, that full fledged game as to what the theme of everything is like, is there any cutscenes in this? Is there any like story beats to it? Like, what is it? How is it trying to to convey itself? Right? Like, is this a jokey kind of game? Because if that's the case, then it probably does make sense because it is this very cartoony, very bright and vibrant world, which I think is fine. Like, I I like the style of it. It's probably not my favorite, but I, I think that it doesn't do anything to to act as like a, a negative to the game, so to speak. Um, the one thing I will say though is the the cartoony aspect of it does make it seem a little strange because I'm not I'm not like I said I'm not sure what they're going for because the enemy archetypes in this are very strange. It's like you have these these basic cowboy guys who are like ah we're bad and we're gonna shoot you, and then you have these like clown like uh, people throwing knives like circus uh, attenders and then you have just these giant robot things and i'm like it's interesting but i don't know what the hell i'm going up against like why are all of the these collective and you know some people won't care about that and and you know in, in some regards who cares as long as the gameplay is there but it's hard to say do i get you know uh captivated by this world because i don't really understand it much <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, it kind of seems like from what you know about this more like Western esque like uh, space adventure that a lot of those aspects would actually kind of take away from it. But like mm-hmm, you said, mm-hmm. you don't you don't know anything really about this game, having only like played the beta. So yeah. it's definitely something that we'll probably have to wait for its actual launch for. I realized that I actually forgot to do our housekeeping before I asked you about your game because you just teed me up with that just. Freaking perfect segue. So <laughs> hopping into housekeeping real quick. Uh, make sure you check out our developer interview this week. Of course, patrons, you're going to get this episode live the day before the developer interview. So make sure you tune in for this next one because goddamn, this game looks cool as shit. And God I'm excited damn. to hear uh, this specific interview, which is, is it Stefan or Steven? I've actually had somebody yell at me before because I said their name was Steven and it was Stefan. I don't remember. Okay, well, I'm just going to go with Stefan Danton. Uh, either Stefan or Stephen. Who, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Stefan Danton and Sarah uh, Kitmura, uh, the developers mm-hmm. of 
Unto the End. I'm really excited about this one. It's going to go live on Wednesday. So if you are listening on free feeds, you will, of course, already probably listened to this. And I would highly recommend if you are listening and you haven't, check it out because the game looks really, really cool. Make sure you head over to Steam, wishlist their game. Uh, soon, it's possible that we're going to be hearing about a release date. We don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stoked for this game. It looks pretty dope. And if you want to see my nonsensical takes on the demo, head over to our YouTube channel, IndiePod. Please do that. Subscribe there. I'll be putting up new videos eventually. I don't really know. School's kind of getting on top of me and shit. I've said it like a thousand times, so I'm just going to move on to please check out the IndiePod store over on Teespring. That's teespring.com slash store slash the whatever IndiePod store. And just so you can figure it out, go go to our Twitter, our pinned tweet. That is where our merch is. Uh, you can also become a patron and actually get, I believe, 20. It's either 10 or 20% off all of our merch, which is already pretty cheap. So mm-hmm. get yourself a t-shirt, get yourself a sticker soon. Uh, now that we can finally get our payouts on Patreon, we <laughs> will be uh, commissioning new art to make new designs and doing other things. So just keep an eye over on the store. I will uh, be posting like i guess updates on our new merch so make sure you follow us at indie pod on twitter uh we've of course got to thank our amazing patrons mixomatosis or just mix they did say that we that we could call mix because i don't know how to say that name apparently 90 percent of the time but i did just get it so See, there you kudos go. to me uh, Zach Durham, Chase Hopkins, Philip Renshaw, Chris Penwell, Josh Nichols, and Samuel Fillion from Canada. Philip Renshaw from Australia. Sorry, I know, I know, <laughs> I messed up. It's my bad, Phil. Just we'll we'll just try to get past it. We'll try to move past this gigantic transgression. I just I just made upon your house. Unacceptable. I know. And lastly, please leave us nice reviews on any listening platform that you can do so, specifically iTunes, if possible. I have to say, Philip actually, he reached out on Patreon. Yeah, and told us, uh, he asked me if we could see his, and I was like, no, we can't. And it turns out we can't because he lives in Australia, like I said before. But man, that is the most heartfelt and nicest thing I've ever had somebody say to me, um, other than the fact that I'm not a total piece of shit. So, you know (laughs) what? Like, Phil, you're a a good person. I love you, Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm. I would give you a kiss on the mouth if I could touch you, but I can't. (laughs) If I could touch you. Uh, Are we going to read it? I feel like uh, we did say we we're gonna read uh, reviews that come on. That's a fair point. So Philip Renshaw's review says, "If you are looking for a podcast that is about indie games, look no further. Apparently, the co-hosts were not friends before this podcast got started, but you would never know it. You would never know it because their chemistry together, as Josh plays the perfect straight man to the mad dog antics of Vaughn. As long as you are not put off by the constant love of poop butts and poopy butts, which I love that you <laughs> just butts. had to put those two together there. I mean." You they go are pretty bound well. to find something interesting, uh, to find some interesting breakdowns of the latest indie games and news in each jam-packed episode of Goodness, 5 out of 5. Thank you so much, Philip Renshaw. You're amazing. Like I said, one of these days, I'm, I'm going to give you sweet little keys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, so now that I'm done with housekeeping, I did want to ask you a question because in the part that I cut out of this episode, or at least I hope I did, I got to ask you a question before I hop into the game I'm playing. All right, let's do it. Have you ever heard of a sip drip? Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. Uh, no idea. Okay. A sip what drip do you call or a it? Sippy drippy. What is this? You, okay. This is, it gets a little bit different in a second. So 
when some when you are approaching somebody to have a drink of their beverage or whatever, right. but you like they might be afraid of you touching your mouth, just like that little kind of kiss you mm-hmm. on their on their drink. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. what do you do? Like when you do that thing where you grab it and you just like flow it into your mouth. What do you call that? Oh, uh, uh, I guess a a hover pour. I don't know. <laughs> You don't know, like you, you don't have a word for that when you just like grab something and you don't touch it to your mouth, but you just like pour it in your mouth from up above. Uh, no, I've never uh, had to define that. Just jeez, drink dude, it you freaking not- <laughs> over there in Florida, you guys are just like freaking we just licking, licking the shit we out of licking each other's drinks. cups. Yeah, we're like, oh, hey, how is that? Does it taste good? Let me let me try some of that. <laughs> And then just get all be a hundred percent honest. Like if somebody, let's say you and your friend wanted the same snack, and mm. your friend just like literally licked every inch of it. It's a Twinkie. Like they put their they put their tongue inside the little cream holes and stuff. <laughs> Who eats a Twinkie eat like that? <laughs> <laughs> like let me eat this Twinkie and lick the butthole first. <laughs> yeah, but he the, like your friend at, in this hypothetical scenario, or possibly real. I don't know what y'all are doing over in Florida. I mean, like if that happened, somebody did that to make sure that you did not eat this twinkie would you just be like and just eat it i mean i feel like the comparison between getting a little bit of dribble on your glass versus licking my food before i eat it is a big gap there so i don't know if that's the great uh, the greatest analogy i'm an all or nothing kind of guy i, I like, know that but gotta... and i am constantly fighting you on that <laughs> <laughs> um no i wouldn't do that uh but like before covid times i was you know uh very uh, I don't know why I started the sentence like that. Let's put a reset on this. Uh, so before COVID times, uh, I used to drink beer. I still do, but I used to drink beer with a lot of friends and we would share bottles. Like if they had something that was like really good, they would be like, Oh, try it. And they would just, you know, give the bottle, you just take a sip. And like, I never cared. I've never cared about germs. Yeah. I never have before either. Like as long as I know the person, like I'm not going to like, if some stranger's like, this tastes really good. You want to sip? I like, I wouldn't do that. Cause I'm like, I don't fucking know you. Like, what are you just crazy person? Really? You're not just like trusting of them. You're like, uh, I think you don't have herpes. I'll touch my mouth to your mouth. Oh yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if they seem nice enough, you know. You're like, you got them soft lips. I'm <laughs> definitely pretty sure you don't have a sneaky canker sore somewhere in there. Exactly. Yeah, no, but like, I never really cared about any of that shit. Like now, it's totally different. Like I would never do that now because <laughs> the world, uh, you know, is awful. Um, but but whatever, <laughs> man. I mean, fuck it. I I, I I don't know some word some things or actions don't really need a word just drink without touching your lips on the glass that's actually kind of weird because i've never had anybody say they didn't know what that was so in idaho seemingly there's a lot of people who call it just water falling so they'd be like oh can okay. i have a drink of your your beverage i'll waterfall it like oh. if if i would if i really gave a shit and they needed a drink they'd be like i'll waterfall it's like okay cool you could do that like pour it right into your mouth i don't yeah, care yeah i've never heard um, that before yeah you're not your mouth not touching my mouth it's fine mm. um yeah like that kind of a thing but apparently there are other people who call it a sip drip which i think is just so weird because the other one actually like accurately describes what's happening it's almost self-explanatory because mm-hmm. if it's water it's just falling in your mouth otherwise it's like a sip drip it's like what the f- what does it mean <laughs> so i took it as little a smidge too far like right. i normally do yeah. where my friend chase brought up this sip drip thing to me this waterfall sip drip conundrum and i of course 
as per usual, started using it as shorthand for having to poop. And mm. now it's just become a thing where I'll be at work with him because I, I work with my friends, uh, a couple of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll just be sitting there and I got to stop my machine. I'm like, it's getting sippy up in here. I got to go to the bathroom. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, I got poop, dude. What do you think it means? Like, come on. Don't be stupid. You know what it means. I'm trying to. It's going to catch on, okay? I One of these it. days you're going to hear a kid say that it's getting sippy up in here. You'll know exactly what it I means. I don't Like, I get the drip part, but why sip part? I don't know. Is that is that like <laughs> is that like in either way it just sounds weird so I decided that it sounded like pooping. I don't uh, know. I, <laughs> I can't say I, I honestly see. understand my own rationale yeah, behind it. I don't know. Would it would it would a sip drip in this pooping contents a context mean you're you're hovering over the bowl? Do you do that? God no. Okay, yeah, I've I've never hovered over the bowl. Like if there was something wrong with your toilet, I mean it's my ass like poops coming out of it i'm not worried about keeping it excessively clean you know what i mean like i mean i wipe my butt but it's that's as far as it goes i'm not <laughs> you know taking a goes. baby white all the way around the cheek you mm -hmm. know no. so no. people are fucking weird i'm not doing that hover poop thing uh let's talk about some indie games all so right. the indie game that i've been playing this week is called gtfo um, it is by 10 Chambers. It's seemingly, I don't know if they consider themselves in indie games, but it's developed and published by the same people. And as far as I know, they're an independent studio. So I'm just going to fucking say it's an indie game. I don't give a shit. All right. So this game, uh, the premise of it is that you play one of several convicts who are seemingly like lowered into different scenarios like mines in this kind of like underground facility to try to clear out what is this like terrifying um i guess plague upon this little system which are called the sleepers and they're kind of like zombie-esque creatures mm -hmm. with similar like fungus on their heads as you would see in like the last of us but their heads kind of tear apart like mouths it's oh, creepy, creepy. <laughs> as shit, okay? And they are they can't see you, but they can hear you really well and they can sense if you're in their like general vicinity. Right. So a lot of this game is based in like stealth if you want to and it's got like I don't want to say it has survival horror elements, but it has a surprising lack of ammo for a game of its like. Mm -hmm. So uh, something like Left 4 Dead uh, would be akin to this, but left for dead. You always have ammo. Like it's almost impossible for you to run in to a scenario without ammo, yep. but in GTFO constantly running out of ammo. So most of the time you're trying to conserve your ammo by stealthily killing these different sleepers or just sneaking around them, trying to find like putting yourself in these optimal situations because this game is fucking hard it's <laughs> so hard like you play with four other people your team is meant to be four people mm -hmm. and i'm telling you right now even one less person you're fucking dead mm. you are dead like there's no way that you can win i i don't fucking know how people outside of it like if you went in here with three people and you actually won you're a god among <laughs> men i don't understand all right because all this right. game is so hard 
but it's honestly some of the most fun I've had in a long time. Like I, I actually really like the, it's not necessarily like wave defense. You come in and you have an objective. Uh, the first scenario that you go through is you have to find six of these hard drives throughout this complex, uh-huh. but it's super foggy and dark and infested with sleepers. So you have to slowly like acquire these hard drives and there's not necessarily a map that helps you find them. So people have to use terminals to try to like ping them so you can find them in different areas. It's really complicated, but mm-hmm. seriously fun. Like I, I okay. would honestly recommend people check it out. It's currently in early access on steam. Uh, there, I believe as of recording this, I think they have It'll actually be- put in more scenarios because they used to have six what'd you say oh i was gonna say i thought you were gonna uh mention the fact that it was on sale but it'll be over by the time this episode is live oh no yeah that does kind of suck um i'll I'll tweet about it after we're done recording this episode so people can like hop into it possibly or pick it up while it's in this halloween sale Mm -hmm. but uh no what i was gonna say was that it is currently in early access but it's actually like they've already added some additional features which Mm -hmm. is kind of nice Mm -hmm. uh that i i really like there are a few things that my friends and i have talked about that we really hope change uh like it would be nice in the like 1.0 release of the game to actually get some sort of progression system so there would be a real reason to run through these different levels even if they took away all the guns they give you because currently you can run in with a large variety of guns you essentially have like a primary a secondary and then a tool um which the tools are there are two different turrets a bio scanner which allows you to like um you can see where the sleepers are so you can either avoid them or you can like more tactically deal with them mm-hmm. and then there is a like a cryo foam launcher which allows you to just freeze sleepers whole or reinforce doors which is actually really cool because they will break through doors mm. um especially if there's a lot of them and it's it's super scary like i'm not even joking <laughs> Like, when I say horror, I'm like, this shit is scary as fuck. Because you'll Mm. run into a sleeper, you'll be like, oh, it's only one. I'm going to kill it real quick. You kill it, and then you just hear, like, the music ramp up, and you'll look over and just see literally, like, World War Z-esque scenarios where you look (laughs) over, and there would just be sleepers piled upon sleepers trying to get to you, and they crawl on the ground like crab walking, and it's the creepiest fucking shit. So how does does this work as far as, like, is this uh level based is this something where you're you're just deciding like oh we want to do this random level and and you just kind of queue up into that so when you first start out you there are there's like one scenario that you can do and you have to beat that to unlock the later ones Mm -hmm. so you beat one and it's basically a level you drop down you fight you gain the hard drives and then once you're done with that one um you are kind of like extracted in a way but you don't have to get to an extraction point or anything i kind of wish you did have to but you don't Mm -hmm. um and it just brings you back into the lobby and then you can load up the later scenarios which are different so they will spawn you in uh different areas with different issues so like in the first scenario there's a lot of fog everywhere so you have to find these uh like basically like fog clearing devices and throw them down to clear the fog otherwise you can barely see but in the second place it's actually just really dark Hmm. so you have to constantly use your flashlight or the just by far uh greatest implemented tool in the entire game the glow stick 
Um, <laughs> just throw them everywhere. But that's actually an inside joke among my friends because one of my friends is super pissed off that we keep picking up glow sticks and throwing them everywhere. <laughs> and he's like, stop with the fucking glow sticks. And we're just like, what are you talking about? They're the best. And every time we're like, dude, guess what I just got? And we're just like, what? And he's like... We're about to win. Don't you even worry, guys. We got this in the bag. I just found a 12 stack of glow sticks. He's like, shut the fuck up. I hate you. That's awesome. Uh, so, but, but the question I was getting to is more or less, this isn't like a, a full story between each of these, is it? Or is it just no, you doing? Uh-uh. Okay, so just random missions. Okay. Yeah, you're basically just doing random tasks. Okay. I I hope that eventually in the like 1.0 launch they actually have some sort of real thread that connects the story be- between each one of these and kind of explains what's up with these sleepers and mm-hmm. why you're mm-hmm. doing everything that you're doing. Because currently I have yet like I've only played uh, two different scenarios and we still keep dying on the second one. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't beaten it yet. Okay. So so, um, yeah, I, I currently don't know if there is some sort of gotcha. like connecting congruent thread, but I hope there is okay. because I, I would actually like to know the story of this place cause it's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Cause it looks like I'm, I'm reading through the steam page and it looks like, uh, for their, their 1.0 release, at least in their, their description, they say, how will the full plan, uh, the full version differ from early access and they're planning on including things like additional enemies environments and objectives gear progression so that might be kind of what you were talking about uh player character customization a broader range of cooperative challenges expeditions with layered difficulty which is interesting um and then progression linked expedition so i think that might be you know uh, connecting those those uh those threads as to why are there just random missions more or less maybe i don't know just speculation. Now, I would really like that. Like even even the possibility of having that, I think would be really awesome. Because the only thing that this game really lacks, because it does have this like really fun combat loop mm-hmm. and constantly preparing and scavenging for for like weapons and different tool upgrades and stuff. I think that is all really fun. But the only thing it's currently missing for me is some sense of like real progression mm-hmm. and to feel like mm-hmm. I'm doing something other than just playing a dumb game with my friends you know what i mean so i'm i'm excited for this 1.0 launch i'm very glad i i spent 19.99 on it i believe um or i spent a different amount i honestly can't remember how much is it on sale right now i spent 27.99 that's how much i spent and i think even the like i've probably only played four or five hours of it and i plan to play more it's easily worth my money the only thing that really sucks is I don't want to play with randos. Yeah. So I I have to wait for all my friends to play. And that really blows because like even if we're missing one person, it's basically impossible. Mm. You you have to have all four. It's it's almost ridiculous. like it's ridiculous to try to play without it. Uh something that I said on Twitter was that I was really like I, I really wanted to play Dying Light. Uh, and I wanted to buy it on my PC, right? And but I had just like I can't really justify the purchase of Dying Light in the following edition because I just bought GTFO. And Samuel Filium from Canada responded and said the GTFO is really fun with friends, but it doesn't have a really good like single player aspect to it mm-hmm. versus Dying Light does. If I wanted something in that zombie realm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I feel like that was a great way to sum this up, which is the GTFO is great with other people 
but impossible by yourself yeah. versus like other games. Like I feel like left for dead. You could play that by yourself. You could have fun by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not necessary to have other players with you. Like I, I personally played a lot of left for dead by myself, even though it is fun with friends and GTFO. If you're thinking about purchasing it, just make sure that you have people to play it with. There is matchmaking, so you can actually just hop in with randos, but the game is really hard, yeah. so I don't know if you'd want to. And just, this is my final question, but there's no differences in difficulty for the, the matches, right? It's like all one difficulty? Um. Well, it's actually kind of different. So you can, uh, you don't load up a different difficulty for the scenario itself, mm-hmm. but while you're in the scenario, there are like certain tasks that you do, and it's like, okay, this task, you could do it in two different ways. One way that's going to be easier, the other is going to be harder. Mm. And that's, you can kind of ramp up the difficulty in that way where it seems like it spawns, like it spawns more sleepers or they come from more directions than just a single uh, place. Or it makes you do a harder like objective versus like it might make you just stand in an area and defend it on the easy portion of it versus the actual other part is if you take the the harder route you have to go into an area that's actually like infected by kind of like a poisonous gas and there are this massive amount of sleepers in there and they don't stop coming until you go and deactivate this terminal so you can make it harder for yourself if you want you just have to have like a good cooperative team yep very cool i like it yeah, I would, especially with like how you often talk about how you have friends that you play games with. I have friends. I would, yeah, I yeah, always talk about friends. that. <laughs> I only have four friends, dude, that have PCs. Well, one of them doesn't even have one. He's building his. I mean, he was just playing on his roommate's PC <laughs> at the time. So yeah, I I think if if you have friends that can justify the purchase, because it is forty dollars, I believe, by itself or thirty. Um. It's pretty uh, high price to pay, but I'm assuming that it's going to go up in price when it leaves early access. So yeah. I would recommend picking it up. I'm surprised they don't do a uh, most most games like this on Steam will do something like a four pack where they give you some kind of discount if all four people buy it uh, as one. But I, I don't see any of that as an option, but that might come out later. Yeah, especially since this game is so like it is so you're playing this game is predicated on having four people right like it, it would kind of be like um when they sold a way out like last year or two years ago i believe mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if they didn't sell it where you could get a second copy like it didn't right. sell it with two copies so you could play with somebody else it's like i can't even play this fucking game <laughs> yeah i mean it just makes sense right because it's easier to get people on board especially if you're saying hey these three friends that you're talking to like let's buy the game because it's discounted and we can all get it together and that makes it a little bit easier to to purchase it so it's not just you know the full whatever priced game that being said this is still early access those kind of discounts can come later uh right now it's discounted for what it is and i guess like you were saying there is a matchmaking so they kind of get away with not having to use that but yeah matchmaking is never as as great as actually knowing the people (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely, because you're just, like, trying to actually figure out a tactical way around this, and then you have some asshole who just runs in with a flashlight, given Mm -hmm. that is also my friends. Good old Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. There's always that one person, but... Mm -hmm. 
it is time for us to finally hop into our news stories. Only 40 minutes in. That's surprising. <laughs> thought it was going to be a lot longer. Our first news story is over on IGN. It's written by Jonathan Dornbush. It is Annapurna Interactive announces internal dev studio. Annapurna Interactive, the pub interactive. What? What did I just say? <laughs> uh, the publisher of Outer Wilds, Cyanar Wild Hearts, and many more acclaimed games has announced the formation of an internal development studio. The, there's currently no words on the studio's first project nor a name for the studio but it is being formed in Los Angeles California with team members being sought for roles on the studio's first project including senior producer, game director and more. We've had an immense honor of working with some of the most talented indie or independent game creators in the world and a interactive president Nathan Gary said. Many of us came from an internal development background and are excited Excited to make this a part of Annapurna Interactive moving forward. We can't wait to share more, but uh oh, about what's to come, anything is possible. And of course, Annapurna Interactive is known by a lot of people who love indie games because they have helped publish or did publish a lot of awesome games, such as, like it said, Cyanara Wild Hearts, Donut County is also one of them, Kentucky Route Zero, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, and a bunch others. So how do you feel about this, Josh, knowing that they've been, they've had a good track record for sniffing mm -hmm. out great games so far? Right. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm, interested but i'm not really going to go crazy until i hear more the problem with this is yes they're they're really good as publishers but that doesn't mean they're really good as developers right they they have a knack yeah. for finding talent or finding ideas and and teams that have promise which is a great skill to have and there's a lot of work that goes into publishing but it doesn't mean that it's going to transition to oh we're great developers now uh, that being said, you know, uh, having that understanding of what is a good game, what has promise and potential is going to bring them forward as long as they do get some of that, that foundational, like, we need the people that uh, can actually bring this to fruition. Um, that, that being said, it is interesting because they do have a great track record, right? And I think it's, I think it's a weird turn because we talked a, a, a few months ago about, like, uh, the team who did Shovel Knight and how they're now transitioning from develop developers into also publishers. And I, I don't know that there's a lot of, of teams that are doing this publisher to developer. Maybe, I, you know, I, I might just be ignorant to this, but like, it seems like an interesting interesting transition to make because uh, like, I get that you would want to have your hand in, in a lot of different areas and have like multiple teams, but it also drains your resources and drains time and, and creates, uh, you know, it's that whole concept of the more things you do, the less perfect each one of those is probably going to be. And I think it'll be interesting to see where their, their, their passion and their, um, their dedication and resources and everything lies into how much is going to be pushed into this, this new development team. And how much is is going to still be that that we're a publishing company? Um, very interesting to see where this will transition to, but we really don't know enough yet to to make a one you know a decision one way or the other at this point. Oh yeah, I mean we literally know nothing. Yeah, we just know that uh, they are like developing the studio. Seemingly, they don't even have the talent for the studio yet, so right. it actually kind of makes sense that they aren't like talking about what they're developing. Right. Or I, I honestly, I 
kind of don't understand why they would even announce the like the kind the of, idea like, the formation. of it. Like who? Yeah, of who an are internal you studio before they have a team. I mean, I guess I guess they're hyping it because they want that publicity of people to uh, apply. Right? Like, you could say this isn't yeah. for someone like us. This is for someone who actually works on games to give them the opportunity to say, like, hey, we're a well-known publishing company. Come work for us because we have a great opportunity for developers or potential developers who are trying to get into the scene. Like, this is a this is more or less a news article that's not really for us as the consumer. This is more for the people that they're trying to get on board. Yeah, it's kind of like that Cloud Chamber scenario when initially, like, 2K announced Cloud Chamber, but they didn't say anything else about it. They were just like, yeah, we created this new studio. And people right. were like, well, what the fuck are they doing? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. what, what's the point of it? And it was, at like, to your point, at the time, they were doing that so that they could possibly get people in. Right. They They announced it just to be like, yeah, now we're trying to get the word out that this actually exists. And if you're looking for a job, Come find one. So, yeah, I I totally get what you mean. It, it's kind of weird how often we think of, like, the not just the indie game space, but the game space as kind of, like, this small, interconnected group of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you'd think when a job goes live, it would be easy to find. But it turns out, now that it's become much more mainstream and grown in such a massive way, I could actually see it, like, people not knowing that, that studios started up and right. that there was a possibility of of actually working at the Santa Perna uh internal yep. development studio so I'm yeah, that's that's exactly right because it's it you know if they didn't make this announcement why would you ever think they were hiring yeah you might see like a LinkedIn profile and you'd be like nah that's fucking yeah. that's probably they're not like true. I don't want to work for them they're just a publishing company you know like it's it's very different I think the interesting part about this though is it would have been nice to hear kind of what games they they want to work on because if you look at their track record none of them are really like very specific to to a certain genre or a certain you know like look or feel really there's a lot of variability that they have um they usually go on the idea of having very unique or or very you know different types of games which becomes okay well how do you how do you hire for something when you don't really have a game in mind you know what i mean like wh where does this yeah. all start it seems like a very chicken before the egg kind of argument of how do you know who to hire before knowing what you're going to work on yeah it's it seems like almost that they should have started from like the the ground floor where they're like hey what kind of games do we want to come out of this similar to how like square enix set up like topia or tokyo rpg factory mm -hmm. and they made like i am setsuna and they've made uh other games since and they just basically make these like older uh older like low budget jrpgs mm -hmm. that fulfill basically just like a small niche yeah. but that's what the studio's entire purpose is is to do that one thing right. so you'd think that they would at least, like you said, begin with a simple idea. Yeah. And instead of being like, we want to start a development studio, like an internal development studio, instead they'd be like, 
what do we want to make yeah. and let's hire for that? Because you generally tailor talent to what you're making, not mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. way around. Yeah, because it's it's interesting, right? Because what's the business perspective? What's the reasoning behind why they would want to do this? And there's the obvious one of like, we want to make money. But, you know, even even further or, or more grand than that, like what was that that thing that sparked them and say like, you know what? Why don't we just develop games? Why don't we like it would have been interesting if they took the approach of, say, one of these many games that they've published. Right. I'm sure there's probably an indie and, you know, a lot of people, they get into the indie scene because they want to work on their stuff independently. But at the same time, there's also studios where they might have said, hey, you know, we're going to kind of consume your company more or less and and take this team and that will be annapurna's development team right and then from there they say oh we're also growing it because we're going to work with this team to create this new idea that they have and we've blah blah blah. you know i feel like that would have had more more traction in like oh they have a clear direction because they got this team who already has an idea or they've worked together for an idea and they're adding more people to it and they're building a team but this just seems like just from the ground floor they're just like let's develop games because why not which you know maybe it is and it's there's not anything against that it's just it's a very weird premise to start with that because once again like we've talked about how do you hire the talent for something that you might not even know what that talent is needed for (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what comes out of this, especially because Annapurna has had such an amazing track record with right. publishing. Yep. But like you said at the beginning, the thing I'm most worried about isn't actually their formation of a team or anything. It's it's just that just because they're good at one thing does not mean that they'd be good at development. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. J- just because they can find amazing publishing, like amazing indie games to to push forward and help and to publish doesn't mean that they can create an amazing one but i'm gonna cross my fingers hopefully this is just like an amazing start of an amazing studio and we get to see an awesome game come out of it but speaking of some awesome games let's hop over once again to ign and also written by jonathan dornbush damn this guy's just like pumping them out uh but he writes temtem on playstation 5 early access launches in december temtem the mmo focused on creature collection has uh been on early access has been in early access on pc since earlier this year um, it's going to make its debut exclusively on PlayStation 5 in a few short weeks. Humble Games and developer Crema have announced that Temtem will come to PlayStation 5 in early access on December 8th, ahead of any other planned consoles. Pre-orders are currently available at a discount, which will also allow players to earn an exclusive in-game title and PSN avatars. So really, what I wanted to talk about this was mostly just the... <sighs> Honestly, it's it's mostly just the the fact that other than going to like the Nintendo Switch and Xbox One and trying to get this on all platforms, mm-hmm. they're going exclusively at this time. So similar, like seemingly a timed exclusive to the PlayStation Five. Right. How weird is this? Like, do you find this odd? I I mean, I do. I think it's I think it's strange because they started this earlier with like 
getting rid of PS4 and the Xbox One uh, development and just being like, oh, we're going to the newer systems and then also doing this, oh, we're also making it only on PS5 for a while. Like, it seems very selective. And I'm sure there's there's a, a, a bigger thing at play here, but it, it does feel very odd to just limit yourself. At the same time, I think it does make sense in certain regards because you don't want to, fl- you know, flood the gates where you're just like everyone in because there's they probably want to do this in specific rollouts to make it so they say like all right we've already got pc working and you know up and good let's roll it out to ps5 and let's have a few people you know play that for a while and get you know the bugs or things situated from an online perspective with consoles and then they say okay now let's roll it out to you know maybe one at a time or maybe now that they've got those those bigger demographics of where people are going to play it they could then roll it out to the switch and xbox series xs you know whatever they they do next because they they have that oh we're, we're doing it in baby steps and iterations to make sure it's uh you know better uh for whatever day one like the the official 1.0 launch is but i do think it's kind of scummy just because like none of that was ever decided or talked about or like from a kickstarter perspective like i think it's it's still kind of weird because like you know people who got that early most of those people are already on pc and whatnot and that was part of the kickstarter but there was never a talk of of one there was never a talk of ps5 and and whatnot and and getting rid of the ps4 and things like that but like there was never talks about there would be this this exclusivity to early access from consoles so it just it, it feels icky in a way but i also understand that there probably are technical limitations that they're trying to get ahead of with this um I don't know. I, I I think it's fine because who cares at, at the end of the day, but I'm sure this will tick off a couple of people. Yeah, I I mostly find the exclusivity kind of weird just uh I I don't really know. You'd think that they'd want to get it on as many platforms as possible. Mm-hmm. Um but also, I mean, the thing that I find most interesting about it is that early access isn't something you typically see come on consoles like yeah. it happens, yeah, 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 yeah. but it's not like it, it doesn't constantly happen. It, it's mostly just relegated to the PC space. Right. But we're slowly seeing a lot of games moving to consoles in early access. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is going to start kind of like a tidal wave of this continuing to happen where games, instead of waiting for their 1.0 or later to launch on consoles, they actually start moving in while they're in early access and seeing like, I honestly think that would be kind of a good idea because they can see what issues they might have on those platforms while still in a stage where they can like that there's still that leeway to fix it instead of in their 1.0 when they come to playstation 4 or playstation 5 kind of a thing like when they come to xbox series x or whatever any of these new consoles when they come to them and it's like fucked up and they're like i paid 60 dollars for this and it's broken instead they're like yeah, we released it in early access. There's a reasonable expectation that this isn't going to be a hundred percent. Right. I mean, and and we've we've been dealing with that for years with PC now, and it's it's something that I I still have. You know, I it really depends on the developer of whether or not an early access window and phase feels terrible or doesn't, um, because it's just it's how uh, attentive those developers are. Um, because it can feel really crappy if someone 
releases it to early access and then never really touches it for a long time again if there are yeah. like if it is riddled with bugs i just think it's weird because like why right where we've already had so long of early access from pc with temtem so like why why not just wait for the 1.0 release to then go to the consoles why not just figure out all of those technical things and 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 get everything wrapped up on pc and then say okay now we're we're going to figure out how to get it to consoles and push it all like it just it feels strange as far as what the thought process was of like why someone was just like hey you know what we need to do should probably put playstation early access as well because why not like i don't know it just it just feels very strange yeah and even if they used like the the rationale of what i was saying was like trying to work out the bugs with these consoles like like while they're still in the state that it makes sense then well, yeah, that's what I was going to say was you'd think that they want to put it on every console instead of relegating it to just one so that they could continue like that. That same thing would exist on everything where you'd be like, yeah, we put it on PlayStation 5, Xbox or uh, yeah, Xbox Series X and S mm-hmm. and the Nintendo Switch to see what things were fucked up on each console. Yeah. And we could then fix them. I mean, the Nintendo Switch, I think, is um I, I, for some reason, have this idea of them not actually doing early access, but I'm not 100% sure, so I'm not mm. going to say that's a fact. But, like, you'd think they would do that on all of the consoles so that they can then fix it on each one before 1.0 right. instead of later, like, launching in 1.0 and it being fucked up. Like, I, I don't really understand... No the idea behind only bringing this to one console that that's pretty much the only place where i'm hung up Mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm. early access thing i think is cool um i think bringing early access games to consoles is a good idea yeah but just bringing it to one of all of them is very odd to me right also side tangent uh on this article there is a ps5 console first look and it's a size comparison and they're using a banana banana. for scale (laughs) that ps5 is fucking huge dude or the banana's really small. I just have to say, mm. like, a banana, I feel like, was a very poor representation. Like, a very poor thing for scale. I mean... Because I've seen big bananas, and I've seen small bananas. Like, I don't know how big that banana is. I mean, it looks like a pretty average-sized banana, and it... I, I don't know. This... Or maybe the PlayStation 5 is just really small. Like, we don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We do know, and it's not. (laughs) All right, the PS5 is way too big. It's so ugly, dude. I, it's so ugly. I hate it so much. Yeah. I'm I'm going to pick up a PlayStation 5 when there's like a reason to. So like currently, I don't think like there, there's not a system seller for me other than Demon Souls and kind of like Sackboy. I actually talked about this on uh, the last episode of Active Quest. Yep, yep. But yeah, there's not really any reason for me to pick it up because yeah. Miles Morales, if I really wanted it, I could play it on my PlayStation 4. Um, Demon Souls is really the only reason I would, but mm-hmm. let's be honest, I'm not itching to get my dick kicked in anytime soon. Yeah. So I'll just wait for a while. So once God of War Ragnarok comes That's out, though, dude... That's pretty much for me as well. Like, I, Yeah, I'm going to pick up this ugly fucking router. Like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> like looking at these like the playstation 5 i just i can't really justify the price and like i have no interest in paying that because like, it, it just sucks because for me i play everything on pc and like i'll 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 pick up a playstation generally at the end of the console's life cycle because it's at that point it's so highly discounted that i'm just like all right i'll play the backlog of those games because otherwise like there's nothing i want to play until 
God of War comes out. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy a $500 system to play one then also $70 game. So it's like I'm paying almost like 600 bucks so I could play this one game. And I'm like, I'd rather just live in that that fear of missing out world because, you know, one, we're an indie game podcast, so it doesn't matter. It's not like I need to play this to, to feel relevant. But two, just like, damn, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I'm I'm going to wait for a while. There's like uh, like I said, the only thing that would get me into this is like God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I'm not super excited for Horizon Forbidden West. Um I'm I don't care about a lot of their launch titles. Like I'm I'm just waiting for God of War Ragnarok and even then, maybe I will do the same thing that you're doing and still wait a while. Right. The only thing is like there are certain games that I really don't want spoiled for me mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a guarantee that I will get whatever happens in God of War Ragnarok spoiled for me. So I'm like, mm, yeah, I feel like I'll probably just end up buying it. Plus like if you wanted to buy the PlayStation five at the last, like the end of its life cycle, you're going to have to wait like possibly another 10 years. I know. I so know. It's like, yeah. Well, we'll, eh. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, like I have no interest really in any of the new generation consoles just because you know, from a PC perspective, I have just about everything I need. Uh, the only reason I would more or less consider the Xbox is because of Game Pass Ultimate and just getting the the selection of free games, well, technically free games from the console that I can't get from PC, but I also don't want to spend money on that. <laughs> so just me being Yeah, frugal. me neither. Um, the, the only console that I will actually purchase is the PlayStation 5. Right. Like, the, otherwise, I can play my, like, I can play all the xbox games on my pc i'm not super worried about it and my nintendo switch i doubt they're gonna make that thing like fucking a paperweight for a while longer so i'm not too worried about it yeah yeah i mean this this became a weird tangent about consoles but um but i i don't know i just the only ones i really go to is nintendo for like a you know day one kind of purchase like otherwise i feel like i can wait on most of them all right, speaking of waiting, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to hop into news claim. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games podcast cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we don't have any quick news stories for you, but we do have some new deals and quick steals and a bunch of new stuff. So... Our first deal of this week comes from the way of IGN, where it's reported that the Xbox Games with Gold for November 2020 have been revealed and include Lintzworks, 
Origami Shadow Edition uh, from November 1st through December 30th and Decoy Games LLC's Swim Sanity from November 16th to December 15th. And now over on Polygon, where it's reported that the PlayStation Plus free games for November have also been revealed and include Team Cherry's Hollow Knight Voidheart Edition on the PlayStation 4, as well as the Young Horse's upcoming Enigma Bug Snacks uh, coming on November 12th to the PlayStation 5 consoles. I think it's actually kind of cool that they're just giving away Bug Snacks for free if you have PlayStation Plus on PS5. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I think it makes sense. There was such a heavily promoted motion for it or like you know like advertisement for it with the uh yeah it, it just makes sense i mean i i it these kind of things always make me interested in in what the the you know monetary gain is like i guess playstation found that there was enough hype behind it to kind of buy out just the game being free for a bunch of people so i i don't know money wise it doesn't make as much sense when these kind of things happen when they first release but also you know it's still cool for the consumers yeah and it's gonna get the game in a bunch of people's hands probably word of mouth will cycle and people will end up buying it especially because i i feel like it also aids bug snacks because no one knows what the fuck this game is currently <laughs> so it will help the word of like word of mouth is really what's gonna sell this game because right. currently like watching the trailers and stuff you're like okay it looks interesting but i don't know what it is yep. we f- now you're gonna go to your friends who have playstation 5s and they're like oh bug snacks is this weird like it's this and this because <laughs> i have no fucking idea what it is yeah well, no, i can't tell you what it is but like then when they eventually buy a playstation 5 they pick up bug snacks right, so right. i i think it's pretty cool i think it's a good idea i i I, I really enjoy the fact that like PlayStation did the same thing with like Resogun and it sold exceptionally exceptionally well with the PlayStation 4. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how well Bug Snack sells because of this. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I just want to see what the game's about. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm just waiting for reviews to tell me what the fuck that game's about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What? Now on to some new stuff. Our first five items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that survival horror game Lone Survivor by Jasper Byron, Byron? I don't know, mm. uh, is headed to the Nintendo Switch and PC and a new port titled Super Lone Survivor, which includes a new scenario, enhanced visuals, and more sometime in 2021. That Yuka and Laylee from the self-explanatory 3D platformer Yuka Laylee are coming to Gung-Ho Online entertainment's turn-based mech game volta x sometime in november that upcoming rpg haven by the game bakers is heading to the playstation 4 and nintendo switch later than other systems uh with a release date of december 3rd on pc playstation 5 xbox series x and s and xbox one and a window of early 2021 for the playstation 4 and switch which i just think is weird um (laughs) that deck building roguelite griftlands by cly entertainment is headed to the nintendo switch sometime in the winter of 2021 and lastly that metroidvania bloodstained ritual of the night by artplay is heading to android and ios devices sometime soon now over on ign where it's reported that upcoming space simulator everspace 2 by Rockfish Games have just had it has just had its early release delayed to January 2021 due to the proximity to the Cyberpunk 2027 or 2077 release date. I I don't even when I read that out loud to myself to make sure it made sense, I said 2027. <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuck on that. I don't know. 
It's weird. It'll take that long uh, before it actually releases. Probably, yeah. Another delay. Yeah. Why not? That shit's so crazy. I, have you seen the jokes about it where somebody, like, uh, when the Cyberpunk 2020... Or, motherfucker, I almost did it <laughs> <Yeah>. again. 2077 <laughs> Twitter account was like, no, we promise you there will be more, no more delays. And then somebody corrected their grandma and it was like, no, we promise there will be delays yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did, the, like, the red ink to correct it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that shit. Uh, that upcoming action RPG, The Ascent by Neon Giant, has been delayed to sometime in 2021. That upcoming action-adventure game, The Pathless by Giant Squid, is getting a physical release across the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 with pre-orders live now uh, through I Am 8-Bit as well as many other retailers and a release date of December 8th. That open-universe exploration game, No Man's Sky by Hello Games, is getting a day-one re-release on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S in the form of No Man's Sky New Generation. Uh, for those already, who, for those who already own the game, you'll get a free upgrade to the new consoles as well as a full game save transfer, Dope. all previously released content, and continued crossplay between all platforms. Yeah, that shit's dope. I'm excited because <laughs> um, there's Beatles in it now. Oh damn, big Beetle Boys! Beetle Boys, you can ride them. Hell yeah, I'm gonna have to buy it. Um, and lastly, that farming simulator, My Time at Porsche by Pathia Games, is officially getting a sequel titled My Time at Sandrock with Steam Early Access coming in March of 2021 and a confirmation of it releasing on next-gen platforms as well as PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and the Nintendo Switch. And speaking of my time at Sandrock. It's time for us to hop in to God Bless the Crowd because, of course, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie game news stories that it's time we give back in our next segment. This is where the biggest of average Josh boys hops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, typically Kickstarter. It's like 90% of the time. It's a lot. It's Kickstarter. It's a lot. <laughs> and he finds something awesome for us to talk about, and we do just so. This week, we're going to be talking about My Time at Sandrock, a delightful new adventure, a sandbox simulation RPG set in the My Time at Portia world, still inspired by Dark Cloud 2, Harvest Moon, and the works of Miyazaki. This is, of course, developed by Pathia Games. They are looking for $100,000. That is their goal. Currently at the time of this recording, they've just blown past it. They have $226,047 with 4,114 backers and 20 days left to go. To get in on the ground floor and actually get the game, you do have to put up a whopping $20, I believe. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Steam key. I just want to make sure. Um, so big Josh boy, tell me what you think about my time at Sandrock. Hmm. Sure. Uh, so my time at Sandrock, as we've mentioned, is the sequel to my time at Porsche. This is very much a, like, I wouldn't say farming simulator because it's more than that, but it's, it's very heavily, uh, heavily inspired by dark cloud two. Uh, you can tell because, there's a lot to do in this game and there's a, a an emphasis on combat and like exploration and going into dungeons but then coming back to your town and, and building it up and so the difference between this one is essentially my time at sandrock is is more about the, the the city being kind of destroyed and distraught and you're coming there as an individual to build that town back up because the the area is more or less a wasteland right now 
And so you're trying to fix up this village and have people come to you and, and whatnot. Um, personally, I never I never played the My Time at Porsche. I never... Uh, those type of games just never really clicked with me. Um, but I do... I do like the emphasis on like the the battling and dungeon and going back and forth to then building up your town. Like I like that idea. I really enjoyed it in something like Moonlighter, which didn't play as much emphasis into building up different areas other than you know buying those lands. So there's a little bit more that goes into this because you're you're physically like putting down and you know gaining crops and like actually placing things where they're not predestined to go, um, just based on you buying certain areas. But um, it looks good if you're a fan of, of the series of what, you know, My Time at Porsche was because it, it just looks like more of that game with, you know, minor improvements and, and a, a change in, in setting and pace to the game. Um, and I think what's interesting is, you know, they, they had a pretty uh, impressive, like it's a 9 out of 10 on Steam as far as what they, they classify that based on, you know, the very positive, positive rating system. Um, it got a lot of uh, good reviews when it came out. So I, I am impressed that they still stuck with the $20 because, you know, usually people who are more known will end up saying like, oh, to get into our game, you have to give us, you know, a higher amount. We've seen sometimes where it can be as high as like, you know, $40, $50 just to get in and get a Steam key. I think it makes sense though, because looking at my my time at Porsche, it's like a $30 game. So I think the, the you know, going into this $20 bucket probably makes sense because when it officially comes out, it'll probably be like 30 or 40. So you're, you're getting in on that discounted price to, to help them out early on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think if, if you're a fan of this type of genre, like it's just more of what you had before. So I would say, check it out. <laughs> yeah, I personally, I think the like the entire aesthetic of it is really, really cool. Um, I really like this kind of like ramshackled together, uh, like a person trying to fix this town mm -hmm, that's just mm -hmm. falling apart, basically, yeah. in, in this like weird wasteland of like kind of almost fantasy-esque creatures with like crossbows and like i said earlier i'm a big fan of like the wild west as a theme so i i think this game looks really really cool i like that they keep like toting these bandits that also kind of look like samurai like i i just really love that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i'm really wanting like for me to get into this game i'd really need a decent amount of character customization because i don't want to look like this doofy ass kid <laughs> and luckily now that they passed the 200k stretch goal they're gonna put in more character customization so i am pretty excited about this um i think it is pretty cool like they have some other uh some other stretch goals like more visitors from porsche so if you're a fan of my time at porsche it seems like there's going to be like some callbacks to that game yeah. and i i think that's really awesome that this sequel still takes place in the world and is actually going to address seemingly things that happened in the first game mm -hmm. the one thing that really bothers me about this kickstarter is of course that fucking like the our gratitude shit <laughs> ten dollars gets you their gratitude and like five wallpapers i could just literally go and like fucking look at pictures of i, I could take a picture or a screenshot of my time at Sandrock, literally just form it into a JPEG, right click it, 
and make it my wallpaper. <laughs> it's that easy to make a wallpaper. I understand that these are probably much like more like well put together wallpapers, but I feel like $10 is asking an excessive amount for what adds up to nothing. I mean, 10 people did it though. That's outrageous to me that somebody <laughs> did. Uh, but I, I do understand it. Um, I get it because people, they're like, okay, cool. I want to contribute to this game actually getting made, but I can't do the $20. Or you couldn't, like, you didn't get in at the time when they had the $15, like, uh, early bird one. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I totally get it. It just, these tears bother me so much <laughs> that that just gives you little to nothing. Like, our gratitude is the most annoying thing ever. But... I do think that this game looks really cool. I like the aesthetic a lot. Right. Um, I like that it's got this like really cool cartoony art style. I, I love the Wild West themes. I enjoy the fact that it seems like you can build up and like build up your character, get new weapons and stuff, and dive into different types of dungeons. I think that looks really, really awesome. Uh, you can also get like really you can build up interesting relationships with different characters and actually like marry them. I love relationship systems in games, so I think that's really, really dope. Mm-hmm. I overall I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever play this game because I never played my time at Porsche. Right. Um, but I do think it's really cool, and I think it'll have something in there for pretty much everyone. If if I end up finding out that the combat system is actually pretty deep, I will probably hop into it. Right. If it has like good character customization and it has some uh, like a really good combat system. It also has these cool mini-games throughout <laughs> a lot of it, and I, yeah. I love that that was a big thing that they toted in the Kickstarter video. Is that of course it would have mini games? Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm kind of interested in this, but it's n- it's not going to be something that I ever buy of my own volition. Yeah. Like if it's on sale, sure, maybe I'll hop into <laughs> it. But this isn't gonna like it wouldn't be something that I'd back. But that's not to say that other people shouldn't because right. it actually does look pretty. cool. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to love about this game. There's a lot of interesting pieces, and like you said, I think there's uh you know there's one or two aspects that's probably like for everyone there's a lot to this game and for some this might click where like all those pieces kind of align um i do like the the inclusion of a multiplayer mode i think that becomes very difficult in a game where you can try and um you know romance or 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 marry all of these different characters because i don't know what that looks like and it, it very much seems that it would be a totally different world or aspect of the game yeah they they do say in the kickstarter video that it would be a different world. yeah so like you know it sucks because you it'll probably be a watered down version in some regards i mean maybe it's not i don't know we'll have to see but like i do like that better because when it comes to these type of games these like crafty you know go build up your your area kind of games like i like playing these games but usually with others who are more on that crafty side because like uh, a good example is you know games like seven days to die like i play that with my friends and i personally hate hate all of the crafting systems and the the fact that you can build up all these different things like i don't really care about it i like it because i go out and i explore the different buildings the different areas and fight zombies and these crazy zombie bear things and it's like i have a good time when i'm just exploring and doing that but like on the other side there's friends that like to actually do all that crafting and building stuff and they worry about that while i'm doing exploring and like i don't know it just works well when you have people who who can come together and like, oh, I really enjoyed this aspect of the game. I enjoyed this aspect and like able to to create an, an experience where, you know, if that's what they want to do, like they can do that. And then I just, 
you know, I get the benefit of uh, just reaping the rewards of only playing the part of the game that I like and getting away with not having to do that building crafty <laughs> shit that I just have no interest in. Um, so maybe I'll get that same experience and, you know, my friends can play this game. I don't really know. I'll have to wait and see what the multiplayer is like, but I'm kind of on the same fence as you. This just isn't my style of game. I don't play a lot of those type of crafting games, uh, but there's a lot of people who do and i think that you know uh, clearly this game is already doing well this isn't something where you need to back it because you're worried it's not going to come into existence um but this is hey do you want more things to be in the game do you do you want a possibly cheaper version of the game like then you know go check it out and then pick it up yeah I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I it's obviously getting backed, uh, mm-hmm. and it seemingly isn't going to come out. The estimated delivery is like March 2022, so I I'd be interested to see when this actually does come to early access. Like it, I I believe it said that it was possibly going to have an early access period. I think it was but in I'm March, not 100% wasn't it? Certain. Yeah, because there's yeah the... my time at Porsche. Yeah, Steam early access coming in March of 2021. Yeah, yeah. Because so, that's that's one of the tiers rewards like you can pay more money to become part of that steam access pack so there's there's playing in the steam beta access which is $30 or more and then you can also pay $40 and you'll get the multiplayer early access so that you'll be able to check out whatever is that that multiplayer world that's kind of interesting. Okay, well, I, I'll be interested to see what this ends up being in early access and how people react mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. But that is all that I have to say about it. Any last things that you want to say before we hop into our audience questions? No, I think we wrapped it up pretty well. I think, you know, if it sounds good, check it out. All right. And one last time, I just want to say that's my time at Sandrock. It's over on Kickstarter. Make sure to check it out. So it has 20 days left to go. So if you don't get to it immediately you can obviously do so in the next 20 days. So you don't really have to worry about it, but it is time for us to hop into our audience questions. Uh, Philip Renshaw from Australia writes in and says, it's time for a serious question in anime. Can a character's titties just be too big or is there no limit to the size of what they could be? For example, if a character had titties, the size of a house, would you be like, damn dude, that's sweet or hell nah, that's too much. Josh, what do you think? (laughs) Damn dude, that's sweet. I can live in those titties. (laughs) Um, it's like clifford the big red dog yeah. but for boobs yeah dude, clifford <laughs> the big red booby um I, but i think if that that would be like a bird anyway um so it's really funny <laughs> because i there's this one anime that i watched before uh when i was in like high school or something and it was like it wasn't like a porn thing but it was this weird very much like they were playing hard into <laughs> i like, love that you like it it wasn't hentai but i'm not saying that it was no like, like there wasn't yeah there wasn't any <laughs> like actual like naked titty kind of thing but it was like this really it was just a bunch of fans yeah it was just this really hardcore fan service video that we because what my friends used to do we would go down to the mall all the time and we would go to this one uh i think it was called sun coast it was like this old like very you know video slash uh was it comics i don't even remember but i remember there was just like a large just library of all these dvds and videos and we would go and we'd randomly like pick up like just out of you know because there was no like google and just searching for random animes back then and so we would just pick up a random dvd and be like all right let's 
let's get this one i don't remember the name of it i wish i could i tried to find it but like the only way i could think of it is it was kind of like this weird competition and all of the anime characters had big old titties and everything that i that came up when i tried to google search that really quick was just like porn and so i was like well i'm not gonna find this (laughs) Um, but uh but it was it was basically just them where they just had these obnoxiously weird physics that would just the like they would make the slightest movement and their tits would just like fucking slap like everything around and like I don't know it was so weird and so stupid but like I I, I really have fond memories of watching that just because it was so dumb and goofy um, but I I think uh, to answer the question yeah damn dude that's sweet no uh, no titty is too big. I I would almost agree. I mean, if they were a size of a house, that's that's too big, dude. That's just that's way too nah, big. Man. Um, but you're so wrong. You know what? Uh, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll do it because oh, actually, you know what? Seven Deadly Sins, Deanne, super hot, and she's a giant. So mm-hmm. there you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And she literally has boobs the size of homes, like li- maybe like a mobile home size boob, not like a house, but like she she's got some big tatas. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say you know what? Damn, dude, that's sweet. Like I would <laughs> I would get down with the giant. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's an anime called Bikini Warriors that's by far the weirdest anime I've ever seen. And it's literally just like five minute episodes, but it's only fan service. Mm -hmm. Like it's a group of adventurers that are just basically nude. And it's so weird. (laughs) I stumbled across it with my uh, with my now wife like years ago. (laughs) And we watched like two episodes and I was like, what is this? (laughs) so weird yeah um she was great i mean yeah dude damn dude that's sweet (laughs) uh josh nichols from that their active quest writes in and says are you enjoying night in the woods so far josh are you enjoying night in the worst game ever what a terrible decision josh uh (laughs) no i i I am enjoying it i at first and you know we'll go more about this in the actual spoiler cast but at first i was kind of like nah this like these type of games aren't my style um they just never have been really so at first i was i was kind of like it's okay but i i really am enjoying the the underlying you know theme of of this game and and where the story is going uh i will say that a lot of the actions that happen in it kind of like irk me because i'm like fuck i don't want to do what you're gonna do <laughs> like and i never know if it's the wrong Same. yeah i never know if it's the wrong choice or like a good choice in a way but but no i'm enjoying it so far i'm excited to see you know where this ends well it almost lacks the the actual staples of games of this genre that are kind of like adventure games where you don't really have a choice you just have to go along with whatever may wants to do and i'm like i don't want to steal that yes yes that that was one of the parts uh and then you know hitting the water heater and things like that we could talk about this in the actual spoiler cast i don't want to go too deep into this but there were just moments where i was like oh don't make me do this (laughs) yeah honestly my biggest issue with it is that the thing that i love about adventure games is their their narrative is typically what hooks me in like and i feel Mm -hmm. like night in the woods while it has a lot of interesting characters and i i very much enjoy the like the the weird and kind of wacky nature of it i feel like there's no actual like underlying narrative that's hooking me in so at times i'm like do i want to play this game because it's 
it, it's kind of like comfort food in a, mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. But if comfort food was like lettuce, where it doesn't have any taste, mm-hmm. like it's just, but yeah, it's gonna fill me up, but it's not necessarily getting me anywhere. I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm interesting. I'm. I'm interested to see what it ends up being because there are some questions that I have. Like everyone keeps bringing up the fact that May put this person in the hospital. <laughs> you know. find a fucking arm on the ground, literally in the first part of the game, and I'm like, "What's up with that fucking arm?" Yeah. Like everyone was super chill about it, and I was like, "That's a severed arm, bro. <laughs> Why are you being so cool about this?" I I like a lot of the characters. I think uh, I think it's Greg is easily one of the best characters. And when you first run into them uh, at the like the the Falcon, I forget what it's called. Snack it's like Falcon. the Awesome Falcon or something. Yeah, Snack Falcon. And they're just like, oh my god! And their arms are just like the, wiggling. Yeah, the is flailing. the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I love it so much. But I hate band practice. I fucking hate it. I'm so bad at really? it. Really? Oh. Yeah, it just bothers me so much. I'm just so bad at it. I'm like, why do you make me do this every time? I'm just going to fuck up this song. And it's they're generally pretty good songs, too. Mm. So I'm just like fucking up a good song, like a good beat. I'm like, great. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. But Night in the Woods so far, I think it's fun, but it's kind of lacking the hook for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see how things unfold. Uh, I like the art style. I think it looks really good, but... I, I will just save the rest of it for our spoiler cast, yep. which will be our Patreon exclusive spoiler cast for the month of October. No, not November. November. So yes. keep an ear out, an ear to the ground. We will be recording it by the, or uh, we'll be recording it by the 18th, hopefully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, I, I want to have it live by the 18th. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we seemingly are not too far away from getting through the game. So, Let's just uh, push through it. Mm-hmm. Our la or nope. our next question, not our last question, because we got a just a banger of a last question. <laughs> Thanks, number one Turner and Hoosh fan. But uh, our next question is from Active Question. It is: Is Josh strong enough to break rocks? So, Josh, could you break a rock? <laughs> I mean, it depends on the rock. Uh, can I break Dwayne the Rock Johnson? No. Uh, can I break? What? I've seen your muscles, dude. You don't think you could take down Dwayne the Rock Johnson? It's so fucking funny to me that this weird stereotype, not stereotype, but this weird, uh, uh like image, subplot yeah, of, you of being me having super giant buff. muscles. And it's so far <laughs> from the truth. Like, I have average size muscles, but for some reason, we're just laying this on. Like, the minute people, like, we start doing video, people are going to be like, why did that even become a thing? <laughs> Because you're just a normal person. Like, watching you, you're just like, yeah, that's a fit, dude. You're not just like, oh, my God, he's shredded. <laughs> like, he's shredded. He's yoked. And, I, yeah, I oh, do think it's really It's funny. literally just because I roll up my sl- sleeves a lot because it's hot in my room. <laughs> dude, fucking guaranteed, though. Could you break a rock? Yeah, with his tongue. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, the Vag Destroyer up in here, he can just d- d- fucking turn mountains to dust yeah. with that tongue. Yeah, that's why my wife's so. with me. <laughs> that's the reason she married mm-hmm. me otherwise she just like in the middle of a stream sends me pictures of cookies that i can't have it's true she's uh <laughs> very very mean <laughs> i did think that was really funny but speaking of really funny our last question comes from uh number one turner and huge fan still i gotta know is it scrubs or is it the movie i don't 
It's definitely the it's movie. Obviously, it's obviously, I feel like it's definitely Scrubs. I don't know why you guys are being so fucking weird about this. Uh, writes in and says, "How the fuck do I play chess? I challenge Deep Blue, so I need to know stat. Thanks in advance, Justin. You know how to play chess? I'm. I mean, I know how to play chess. I'm not good at it. I do not. Oh, me too. I do not have the knowledge to beat Deep Blue. Um, I don't know, man. You're, you're gonna have to." gonna have to watch a lot of uh of chess videos whatever that means i don't even know where i would begin to get good at chess so i i've played chess for like the longest time because my dad was like a big fan of chess and he actually collects chess sets oh that's interesting so i yeah i i've played chess ever since i was a kid but i've never been good at it i'm so bad i i don't have the brain for strategy i you know i've got the brain for mindlessly watching tv (laughs) a while ago someone wrote in and asked like our like our most useless talents and i said that i could pop my job but in reality i'm so fucking good at binge watching shit and binge like consuming content it's completely unnecessary skill but i'm very good yeah so uh in summation we have no uh, useful information to offer you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, it would depend on what Turner and Hooch fan knows about chess. Obviously, each one of the pieces has its own function. Like, mm-hmm. uh, pawns can only move one space. They, I don't believe that they can move backwards, but they can move forwards uh, in either a directly straight line or a diagonal mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, like, knights that can only move in an L formation. That is either, like, left or right. Knights they or the horsey Either boys. way. Yeah, knights of the horsey boys. Uh, they're bishops, which kind of look like the Pope, but aren't. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They they look like a little thing with a mouth. It looks weird. Yep. They can only move diagonally, uh, which is kind of cool, but they can't hop pieces. The only ones that can are knights. Rooks can only move straight, but they can move in straight lines or horizontal lines. But They can move as much as they want. There's typically a movement cap for each piece. Uh, the king is easily your weakest piece, which I think is the funniest shit. Yeah, dude. That it's like the one thing that you have to protect in the game is the weakest fucking piece. Yeah. And it's so hilarious because they can, they're basically a pawn, but they can move backwards. Mm-hmm. And the strongest piece is easily the queen, which I think says a yeah, lot. Dude. Let's be chess, real. Chess is the oldest uh, advocate for women rights. It is because they're literally the strongest piece in the entire game, which I'm saying again, they're the dominant gender. I mean, okay? yeah, they like, don't, you can't, you can't twist their dick and pull them to the ground. So clearly better. Exactly. Exactly. Have you ever seen that video of like the uh, the guy who goes to a Trump rally and he asks a woman, he's like, uh, so he asks her about like women's rights and she's just like, yeah, just we we like shouldn't be in office. Uh, oh we like, yeah, it's like the dumbest I shit. And yeah, she was like, uh, because we have these mood swings and everything. And then he's like, but you know, all wars have been started by men, right? And he gives her the mic and she's just like silent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of true. Dude, I hate, yeah, I hate it's seeing like, shit it's like not that. Wrong. It's so It's so weird to me that there are some people who are so just like, their mind is just shut off from all of these type of ideas. I saw the other day someone on Twitter who was just like, remember, brothers, uh, when you're voting, make sure that your wife has to vote the way you vote. And I was like, 
the what? fuck does that mean? No. And and so, yeah, there's like this whole group of people who are like, yeah, it's the man's right to tell their woman how to vote. And I'm like, that is not at all a way to live. And like, I feel bad for the wives who are stuck with you. Like, that's awful. And someone someone had the argument of, of basically saying like, oh, well, it's stupid if you are a husband and your vote goes to someone, but your wife counterbalances, like acts it out, then what's the point of even voting? And I'm like, I don't think you understand how voting works. Like, that's that's the whole point is like people are supposed to counterbalance each other and whoever wins, wins. Like, and it makes sense that if the wife has an opinion and and wants to go against yours why would instead of counterbalancing it they would want to be like all right well two votes for that person like so stupid yeah you're trying to get an accurate representation not just like this weird peer pressured like need to vote it's it's so odd yeah i i don't understand that I, i personally don't get it i pretty much have always taken like the the idea of like in relationships i don't have a like i I don't have a right to tell her to do anything kind of a thing. Like it's, it's her life. It's just like, we're going to work together to try to make a great life for the two of us. But I don't have the right to tell her to do anything. Just like she doesn't have the right to tell me to do anything. It's both, you know, uh, intelligent individuals who can conversate about what you want to do about this. Like, I think it's, it's healthy for two people if they have differing opinions on, on voting for someone to talk it out and be like, this is who I want to vote for. You know, like this is why, and here's the reasons why you should. But if at the end of the day, they still have a different opinion and don't want to do that, then like, fuck it. That's, that's their vote. That's their right. Like, I don't know. So fucking weird that there are people out there who have these like very close minded and old school opinions of, of, of people. I don't know. Uh, to get back to your question though, Turner and Hooch, I think the best way to play chess and to, to beat deep blue, um, I would say get a glass of water, um, and, and pour it (laughs) on the computer and then you win by default. Yeah. Can't lose if the game doesn't exist. hundred percent. (laughs) <laughs> josh are you the guy who like is just about to go bankrupt in monopoly and just casually tips over the board and you're just like oh man <laughs> what oh damn i guess it's we a don't tie know who had all the money <laughs> oh. <laughs> no i fucking hate monopoly i don't even play that shit i retired from monopoly the last game i played i was so good damn. that i was just like i'll never play monopoly again because wow. i'm just leaving on a high wow, i know we had such a pro on this podcast I guess exactly, Turner and dude, Hooch, you should have just... asked us how to play Monopoly. That would have got you some good tips. I mean, specifically like the Avengers, like Marvel Avengers Monopoly, because then I could like, dude, I got you. Okay. <laughs> like I, I know exactly what's up. Damn. So, Those are the real strategies. But chess, nah, I'm a little fucking dumb dumb. Mm. I don't got a mind for strategy. <laughs> I know how that game itself works, but I don't know. Like there chess is such an interesting game because it actually has so much more strategy put into it than I ever could have imagined. Right, it's so simple, where but it's so like, complex. Yeah, and watching people play fucking speed chess, yeah, craziest shit I've ever really seen. Really weird. Yeah, I'm like, how does your brain work this way? <laughs> Practice. Yeah, I'm just a fucking dumb dumb dude. I don't think in my lifetime, if I dedicated my entire life to chess, I do not think I can play the same way that other people do. It's just fucking crazy. But 
That's the end of the chess talk, and that's the end of this episode. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. If you would like to chat with us outside of the show, you can do so in a bunch of different ways. You can hit us up at IndiePod on Twitter, where you will also get notifications of our episodes going up, uh, indie game news, sometimes giveaways, and so much more. So please follow us at IndiePod. Super easy to find us and learn about indie games and indie devs. Nice place to do so. You can follow me specifically at Hyde Legion. That's H Y D E L E G I O N uh, for all just my dumb bullshit. I don't know. I'll probably be tweeting about ESO because I've been playing a bunch of it. That's Elder Scrolls Online. Just to let everybody know, not ESO. <laughs> just thought I'd get that in there. It's true. Um, and you can follow Josh at the underscore George ninety, and you are the underscore George on Twitch. That right? is correct. Yes. There you go. Anything else you would like to shout out before we end off the podcast? Uh, no. Uh, just please give the developer interviews that are coming out each Wednesday a listen. Uh, I, I definitely love getting the time to interact with individuals. I think there's a lot of cool stories out there. You know, it was it was um, our last one that we just put up was Undying, and it was Jin uh, and and you know we had a whole like they he he reached out to me. And, and posted on on Twitter like, oh hey, sorry, I ended up taking up a whole fifteen minutes just literally to tell you my background story, but before even talking about the game, and and you know I replied and I was like, well, you know I I could have taken it out, like there's there's nothing stopping me from taking out content and, and making it quicker, but I think that it's just as much about the the person and the, you know the the journey of who's yeah. working on a game as opposed to just the game itself and so you know it's it's definitely a a specific um type of content i guess because maybe some people are just looking to to hear about the game and and not the person behind it but like i don't know i think it's interesting i, I like always getting that you know that background you know the, the behind the scenes so to speak so i think there's a lot of good content out there for you um I'm just kind of like rambling now uh, because it makes me feel better that I have something to show other than just saying every week, hey, I've got nothing, which is kind of true, but I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing something, I guess. <laughs> yeah, make sure you watch Josh's Twitch streams. Uh, eventually, when I can get my hands on a webcam, I will be Twitch streaming, so watch those. Of course, we've got our housekeeping stuff. We've got the Stefan or Steven Danton and Sarah uh, Kitamura. Mm-hmm. I believe is how you say the name. Uh, the Unto the End developer interview going live this Wednesday. That's, of course, the day after this goes live for patrons and two days before it goes live on free feeds. So make sure to check it out. The game looks awesome. Add it to your Steam wish lists. Hopefully it comes out soon so I can play it because it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Unto the End, please check out the video that I posted of the demo impressions over on our YouTube channel and subscribe there for more indie games content. We've got our IndiePod store over on Teespring. You can pick up some of our merch. Uh, we got t-shirts and we got stickers, super low priced, so you can get in and just kind of like rep that, uh, rep that IndiePod spirit. Hell yeah. Please leave us reviews on uh, any sort of podcasting platform or listening platform that would allow you to it'll help us meet new audiences meet new people and talk about more indie games and lastly thank you so much to our patrons uh, we got Mixamatosis or mix for short zach durham chase hopkins philip renshaw from australia chris penwell josh nichols and sam fillion from canada uh thank you to all of you for giving us your money and making this possible (laughs) you are all amazing and i am very excited to continue to give you all sorts of awesome content that is it for this episode thanks everyone so much for listening and we will talk to you next week bye guys